Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Welcome to Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we'll be discussing managing stress. And we have Mike Erickson in the uh, studio with us today. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Thank you for having me. Mike, if people wanted to know a little bit more about their practice, about your practice and how they could get in touch with you, how might they do that? Well, the best way is to go to my website, Mm ericksoncounseling.com. I also have a Facebook page, ericksoncounseling.com, I Mm -hmm. believe. Uh, It'll come through the website or just go directly on Facebook. Um, I, I list my, my email address and my cell phone, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm not shy about answering questions or, you know, over the phone and talking to people, seeing what, what I can do to help some, some folks. Okay. Thank you, Mike. So can you tell us a little bit about your practice, uh, what areas you cover in helping people, and maybe what type of clients you see? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, I've been a licensed professional counselor for about 19 years. Mm-hmm. I've been in the helping profession for over 25 years, and I, I, I like to think that this field kind of found me. Early on when I was in college, I, I thought about all sorts of different opportunities. I used to work with kids a lot, YMCA mm-hmm. and, and different nonprofit organizations. And, and as time went on, I, I just, um, just like being out in the field and, mm-hmm. and working with people and keeping things exciting. And so when I, I moved to Texas about 20 years ago from Minnesota and uh, just wanted to see something new, there was mm-hmm. nothing really a job waiting for me. So uh, and I found the, the most exciting place to work, and that, would, that was the Neuropsychiatric Center in the Texas Medical Center. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a psychiatric emergency room where I dealt with just critical cases, mm-hmm. severely mentally ill individuals, and in, in all crisis cases, working with psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. We got people stabilized on medication, hospitalized if necessary. And through that, I made some connections with law enforcement, and I rode with the Houston Police Department for eight years. They had a pilot program that they really needed to be successful because of some situations they found themselves mm-hmm. in. And uh, so I rode literally with a police officer for eight years every day. Wow. And we responded to 911 calls. And um, it was quite possibly the most exciting job I've ever had. I saw some really interesting things. Mm-hmm. But over the course of that, uh, I, I just wanted to change. And to, to a series of progressions, found myself... Um, wanting to get some office space and, mm-hmm. and use my license to help people in an office setting. So for the last four years, I've, I've had a private practice where I just see people in office. Now, I've done that for about 18 years as a side project mm-hmm. where I saw clients. But about four years ago, I became incorporated, and, and it became my full-time job. Great. <clears throat> well, a lot of history there and a lot of experience, mm-hmm. and I'm sure... Um, riding around with those law enforcement people. Um, obviously, you're there for a reason, but mm-hmm. it helps everyone, I'm sure. It was yeah. as much for law enforcement as it was for the, the individuals we mm-hmm. dealt with, the mm-hmm. families, the, uh, the, the, the individuals in crisis, those battling mental illness. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very interesting project, and I, I loved my time with the Houston Police Department. We had some really interesting situations, but I find that they all... There was a, a level of stress and anxiety and, mm-hmm. and pressure, depression, mm-hmm. uh, everything that was kind of incorporated at every call. So I found myself dealing with a lot of uh, crisis de-escalation, uh, stress management, uh, both in myself and in those around me. Mm-hmm. I think the officers really appreciated me being there because they, it took some of the, the pressure off of them to deal with some really difficult situations. Uh, and, in, and in doing so, I, I really became... Um, cognizant of the importance of self-care, mm-hmm. dealing with these high critical cases, uh, I, I found that, uh, ironically, in myself, uh, I didn't stress under pressure, but it was after the crisis had been resolved, that's when I found myself just feeling um, that kind of lull after the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So a lot of times when people hear the topic stress or managing stress, mm-hmm. Sometimes we think that it's the moment only, 
mm. that it's only uh, I'm dealing with stress right now and I don't have to deal with it afterwards. Right. So I think a lot of the people out in the public, including myself sometimes in the past, that um, we can't be having stress if whatever was giving us stress has already passed, if that makes sense. So right. it can have lingering consequences. Is, is that accurate? Or? I think so. I, you know, there, we, we can all identify triggers in our life that, mm-hmm. that create stress. Um, I could list a, a, a number of things. I, I think in, in life, stress is, is a constant. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it just varies in degrees. Uh, and what's what's very important I found is, is self care, mm-hmm. preparing yourself, taking care of yourself, eating right, getting enough sleep, exercising. Those are the big three. Mm-hmm. That every time someone comes into my office, I do an assessment and I see where they, you know, what works for them, what they've been trying, what they've been dealing with, and try to find find their baseline, and um, and then go from there. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is they got to take care of themselves first while they're dealing with this Certainly. because then it could spill out and affect other people. It's kind of like, you know, when we get on an airline and they give us the little spill yep. of uh, here's your oxygen mask. And, you know, the first time you hear that, and especially if you're traveling with children, you're like, well, that's kind of an odd concept. Why wouldn't I put it on them yeah. first? And then you realize, well, if I can't take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to take care yep. of anybody else. And I think that relates to our family, our friends, and, mm-hmm. you know, our people we work with that we need to take care of ourselves. And I do use that analogy quite often. Okay. That, that folks need to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they're not managing their own stress, it's hard to be a good mom, good mm-hmm. dad, good business partner, mm-hmm. good colleague. It's, it all flows over. Well, I wanted to go back. You know, you mentioned um, taking care of yourself and um, the physical aspect mm-hmm. and the eating right. I mean, can you go into a little more detail of what you see uh, people are doing that isn't working and then how you're suggesting for them to make a change. And it sounds like it's just an all-encompassing process Mm -hmm. and it's not one issue. It's the mind and the body work together and we need to address... the mind-body connection. It's very important. I hear that that's that's very in vogue, you Mm -hmm. know, the mind-body connection, Mm -hmm. uh, wellness. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes people forget to take care of themselves. They, they let their sleeping habits get out of whack mm-hmm. or they're eating. They don't eat whole foods. They, they end up eating stuff out of a box. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for fast food. I, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I do enjoy fast food. Mm-hmm. But as, as, a, as a whole, that doesn't prepare your body to manage stress when, mm-hmm. it, when it does peak. And it does come and go. Stress is always in fluctuation. So it's, it's important to place yourself in the most optimal situation so your brain is ready to mm-hmm. process the chemicals as they fluctuate and um yeah it's it's best to be proactive mm-hmm. you know in, in preparing to for this conversation i i did a not so random poll and, mm-hmm. and some of them were my clients embarrassingly and i would ask them just nonchalantly you know how are you handling your stress mm-hmm. and the most common response was oh i just ignore it mm-hmm. and uh and I kind of cringe when I hear that because stress, when it's ignored, it do, that it doesn't give you an opportunity to be, be proactive, mm-hmm. and it can can escalate before you know it. You know, people are are under a lot of anxiety, blood pressure elevates, um, stomach gastrointestinal mm-hmm. problems can result from stress. Uh, days you know off from work, it can affect a person's performance, uh, marital status. It's very hard on families when we're under a lot of stress. So what I'm hearing is maybe people are saying, hey, I'm tough, yeah, and I, I can cover it up or yeah. not worry about it, and then maybe are we saying it creates other issues, correct? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very pervasive. It, it can flow into all areas and, and, and can hit us before we even know it. Mm-hmm. And then we have our doctors telling us our blood pressure is getting high, or our loved ones are telling us that they're, we're a little more irritable than we were in the mm-hmm. past. Things like that. It, it, that's how. Those are the indicators that that stress is is a problem. So, as a suggestion, should we take time out during the day to address this? Or, I mean, what's the suggestion of? Well, um, it can be dramatic mm-hmm. or it can be subtle. Um, you know, I think of my my own situation, and and just as a, as a practice, I don't suggest any tools or techniques to my clients that I wouldn't use myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that, you know, when we read self-help books or, 
or the pop psychology, it, there are a lot of techniques out there. They may sound good, mm -hmm. but then when you when I offer the suggestion to a client, they seem kind of silly mm -hmm. and trivial. So I and cringeworthy. I think ooh, mm -hmm. journaling. Uh, I don't know. Not, that's not everyone's cup of tea. So mm -hmm. I think about the things that that have helped me. And and when I, the one of the most stressful times in my life was when I went off on my own for, with my business. Mm -hmm. uh, I was being confronted with financial demands, um, marketing, mm -hmm. all these issues that go into a business practice. And I was under a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. And there came a point where I had to look at my own, the, the ways I was and I wasn't dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that worked for me was getting up a little earlier in the morning, doing some exercise, some stretching. Mm -hmm. uh, meditation is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, I suggest that to, to all my clients. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that's gotten a bad rap over the, you know, we think about hippie and Eastern mm -hmm. religions and things like that, but it's really not. It's about clearing your mind, relaxing your body, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, and, and getting yourself to a point where you can approach your, your day. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know, you mentioned meditation or whatever someone might be calling it, mm -hmm. and if you find someone who is really excelling at their profession, uh, especially uh, a public profession, what I would say a stressful environment, a sports figure, an actor, mm -hmm. um, maybe even people in the public view for whatever reason, they usually, if they're open about it, usually incorporate something sure uh, like that into their day because it's there with them 24-7 and they are there in some cases to perform, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people watching them and criticizing them along with themselves. So I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't, that's really at the top of their game, if you will, that doesn't right. incorporate that. They use visual imagery, positive okay. thinking, mm -hmm. positive affirmations, mm -hmm. uh, reality testing. I think it's important to have when we create goals, that mm -hmm. they're realistic goals, and we get some feedback from trusted individuals to, to help us kind of manage those goals and put them into perspective. Mike, you mentioned reality testing, so <laughs> that's new to me. What 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 would that wow. be? Uh, I think, oftentimes our our perceptions are skewed, mm -hmm. and we may. We can't, read people's minds, mm -hmm. and so what happens is, we're walking Rorschach text mm -hmm. where we we project our own feelings and emotions and beliefs onto other people mm -hmm. and we 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 may be oversensitive to to the to what we sense in other people um so it's important to, to be open with communication to be direct ask questions and and also do do some reality testing if we have a, a situation where we're in over our head mm -hmm. uh, we need to be able to delegate responsibilities we need to have um, we don't use Rolodexes anymore, but <laughs> our contacts, you know, we, right. need to find, we need to have people in our contacts that we can trust. Mm -hmm. I find one of, one of the greatest uh, resources for me was when I reached out to a CPA mm -hmm. and, I, and I had to start managing my business. Uh, and, and that, that, it just blew me away. Mm -hmm. The things, the requirements that, that the average businessman just does not understand mm -hmm. and have a grasp on. And, and that's just not my forte. So I had to reach out to, to my CPA and mm -hmm. put a lot of the onus on him to, to tell me what, listen, tell me what I need to do. What can I do better? What am I not doing that I should be doing? And, mm -hmm. and, and don't pull punches. Know your weaknesses, know your shortcomings, and, and look for some resources. So someone to give you a non-BS assessment, if you will, of where you're at and maybe where you should be. Right. And, and I mean, Honestly. I, I've, yeah, I've used the term trusted advisor. So mm -hmm. you and advisors can be someone in a professional capacity or sure. it could be a friend. And you want, I guess what we're saying is feedback from them. Is that what we're saying? Right. Okay. I, I, and and when, when I say reality testing, also I want to know what the other person is actually thinking rather than what I think they're thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have, you know, funny looks. I've got teenagers. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes <laughs> I might think they're in a different mindset than sure. they really are, mm -hmm. and that's just because um, a lot of, a lot of factors. But mm -hmm. number one is I can't read minds, so I have to do some reality testing. Relationships create a lot of anxiety, and and that if we if we use open communication, sometimes that anxiety mm -hmm. can be lessened, managed. Makes sense. Um, are there What's the term I'm looking for? 
telltale signs when mm. we're experiencing stress and maybe we don't know it or we've just, as you said, covered it up and not addressing it? I mean, there's mm-hmm. certain things we could look for other than, hey, I walked into the doctor's office and they hooked me up to the blood pressure machine and it's not what yeah. I want to hear. I, I mean, is there things that we should look for? Um, I think there are yeah. some, some telltale signs that we're not dealing with stress. Mm-hmm. Irritability, strained relationships, strained marriages, uh, strained family relationships with mm-hmm. our children. Uh, th- I also think that, that substance use is a clear indication that, that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. People's, their, their, their use of alcohol if it becomes a little bit more prominent in their life, it, it's probably an indication that there's some stress, some mm-hmm. undealt with issues going on. Uh, and, and that's a slippery slope. That can, that can cause a lot of problems for people. So that, that's an indication that the, there is some unresolved issues going on. So when you mentioned substance abuse, and okay, so let's take alcohol, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's common sometimes for people to have a drink as a refreshing beverage, mm-hmm. but if I'm hearing you, you're saying, hey, if it becomes more common and, and, and the quantities are more, then maybe we're using it as a crutch for something? Well, I, as, as part of my assessment process, I always talk to people about getting a wellness check with mm-hmm. their doctor to mm-hmm. see where their, their thyroid is or their blood pressure, uh, their overall health, physical health. But I also do an alcohol assessment to see mm-hmm. where where they stand with their drinking practices. Mm-hmm. Culturally, you know, one has to be careful. Some people come from various cultures that where drinking is more prominent mm-hmm. and accepted. Uh, and but alcoholism is very prominent also and prevalent in our society. So, and it goes undiagnosed because it because of the social stigma mm-hmm. to excessive drinking and alcohol use. So, um, with that said, it, ca- it can cause a lot of problems mm-hmm. and it's. Safe to say that people would rather call it stress than alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes a person's drinking practices may get out of control and it, become, it becomes abusive, heavy drinking. And, and that can cause a lot of problems. And it becomes cyclical mm-hmm. where where's the drinking end and the stress begins. It mm-hmm. becomes a, they're very enmeshed. Well, you mentioned... Um people not wanting to talk about the alcohol mm-hmm. because there's a social stigma. Um, I, I, I could imagine that even addressing a stress issue or stress-related issue or having feedback from someone could be a stigmatism as well because we don't want to talk about it. And it kind of goes back to, hey, we've for the most part, we're in a society mm-hmm. where people are supposed to take care of things themselves and they're That's tough. Right. So just reaching out to someone could mm-hmm. be a challenge. And how can we get people not to look at it that way? Because I think a lot of us do that you know, um, mm. for different reasons. That's a delicate Other than area. it happens to everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a difficult topic altogether. You know, how do you confront someone on, on their excessive alcohol use? Mm-hmm. It, it, people are very reluctant to use terms like alcoholism mm-hmm. and, and substance abuse. And they... It's something that's just not talked about a whole lot in our mm-hmm. society, and it's very stigmatized. Mm-hmm. So I try to be as delicate as I can. I try to mm-hmm. separate the mental health aspects from the substance use, and then and, and later on, I'll I'll bring in you know a, a, a verbal questionnaire of, of mm-hmm. a person's substance use, including medications that are prescribed by physicians. Mm-hmm. Do you find that uh, people have some? common issues that bring about this stress? I mean, you mentioned financial and mm-hmm. maybe occupations. I mean, is is there some key factors that people have in their life mm-hmm. that contribute to that? Or is it, it just runs the gamut and uh, depending on what's going on, everyone can experience it? Or, or are there some people more... Um, um, they might experience more than someone else, or um... I think you have pe- some folks with with thinking styles that are more prone to stress. Obviously, okay. the Type A type you know, personality that um, oftentimes gets identified as a, an intense individual. Mm-hmm. You know, they they may they may flourish in that type of mentality mm-hmm. in a high stress environment, high dr- adrenaline um, environment. Uh, where it comes to be a problem is when it in influences the family, mm-hmm. the work performance, overall health. That's when I think it becomes 
a problem with individuals and something that, that ought to be looked at as, as something they can manage. Well, that was interesting. So you mentioned type A personalities, and I would have thought just off the top of my head um, that maybe it wouldn't affect them, but the way mm-hmm. you explained it, I absolutely could see that affecting mm-hmm. them, and they probably don't know it at the time. And here's something yeah. also that that a lot of folks don't understand. I think depression and anxiety go hand in hand, mm-hmm. and uh, stress is 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 a common phenomena that we're all aware of. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to anxiety, depression, those are the terms that have been kind of stigmatized a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and so what I like to explain to clients is that anxiety, depression are two sides to the same coin. Mm-hmm. And based on a person's temperament, oftentimes stress can manifest one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So someone with a more depressive personality, when, they, when they're in finals week, for example, or if they're making a transition to high school mm-hmm. or something work change some type of a stress or maybe they're just growing out older mm-hmm. and they have to deal with deterioration of their physical capabilities mm-hmm. that's very stressful uh, some people respond with anxiety some people respond with de- depression mm-hmm. and 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 there that that oftentimes is is predetermined by their temperament mm-hmm. so yeah there is there are people that are prone to certain types of manifestations of the stress okay but I could also see that um, managing stress is just like people need to eat right. Mm-hmm. People should exercise. You should keep yourself occupied physically and mentally. So it's not something that I would think is a negative. It's just it's something there. Right. We need to help. And maybe I'm not using the right term. It's we need to help manage struggle. it. Managing yeah. stress. Okay. It, it, stress is a common Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We, a little stress is, is actually good for us. Mm-hmm. It, it pushes our, our potential. Mm-hmm. So how do we manage, how do we manage stress? Mm-hmm. I, I believe that it, there are certain, you asked me earlier, some indications of, of some folks that might have problems with stress management. Mm-hmm. And I think having a quick, quick temper would, would certainly fall into that category. I mm-hmm. think folks that believe they need to control every aspect of their life uh, control is it, it, it's it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. We we don't we oftentimes we believe we have more control than we really do, and, mm-hmm. and that's manifesting in our driving habits. You know, I think a lot of road rage is caused mm-hmm. by folks that think they have more control than they really do, mm-hmm. and if they would accept the the fact that they're they've got nowhere to go but mm-hmm. sit there for a little bit in Houston traffic, take <laughs> a deep breath, and just accept the process, I think they'd be better off. And they'd they'd have they'd experience less stress, but that that's those type of situations require a person to be proactive, mm-hmm. take do some breathing exercises if they need to, and just accept the fact that there are things out of their control. Well, I'm learning a lot today. So when you mentioned that people who want to be in control uh, experience stress when they maybe not in control mm-hmm. or they realize they're not as in control as they think they are. I mean, that's interesting. I would have thought the opposite, but I could see how that's the case. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it just makes so much sense. And you mentioned traffic. So on the way over here, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I've been driving in this town over 35 years, and it seems it's more of a chore to get on the road these mm-hmm. days. And I, for lack of a better term, I think all the other drivers are just so much more stressed out mm-hmm. and they bring it onto the road and, yep. um, you know, it impacts everyone around them. And you mentioned, hey, if people would just take a breath and it's yeah. like, you know, you probably got the two seconds that, um, you, you know, you need to slow down or watch for the other car. And, um, and you want to talk about some stress, uh, right. you know, you have a wreck and then you're really delayed, then you're really going to be stressed out. So it's, it's odd, but, um, you know, people that are under stress affect other people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's families and their coworkers. And when but, you think about the physiological uh, responses that our body has, you, you think about some of the highways around here. I take 290 mm-hmm, quite mm-hmm. a bit. And for a long time, it's great now, but for a while there, the lanes were so narrow. Right. And there's a large concrete barrier uh, it, it just you get this vertigo driving at mm-hmm. night, oftentimes, and, and it, it's very irritating, and mm-hmm. it, it increases one's blood pressure and pulse, and 
your eyes start to hurt, and, and so you, you get these physiological changes, and that's a physical response to stress. And then if one's emotional stability is in question, <laughs> they're, uh, they're going to be far less tolerant of, of those, those stimuli that, that are processing through their body. Sure. Um, the stop and go constant, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. Well, while we're still on the traffic, I saw on the news today that uh, I forget, I think it was on 610, there was traffic mm-hmm. at night. So there's a four-lane road. People at night, were driving the opposite direction just so they could not stay in traffic. Yeah. And so they had the example, there was four lanes and there was two cars taking mm. up two lanes in the four lane, driving the opposite way in the middle of the night. Wow. And I mean, it's dangerous to them. It's mm-hmm. dangerous to everyone else. So, ah, okay. Well, we're going to take a break for a moment. And when we come back, we'll continue to talk about managing stress uh, with Mike Erickson. And this is Planning for Win, Financial Guidance in Life. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. We're back. This is Planning for Win, Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley, and we'll continue on the topic of managing stress. We have Mike Erickson here with us today. Thank you, Mike. So let's continue. Where would would you like to go next with the conversation of managing stress? Managing stress. Uh, I just want to highlight the whole self-care piece. I think Mm -hmm. that for the most part, we we don't do enough Mm -hmm. self-care. Big three I mentioned earlier, you know, eating, sleeping, exercise. Mm-hmm. We need to incorporate those type of things in our day, every day, and around stressful events. You know, my I had an advisor in college that that used to say, "Circle the wagons when we're going through stressful events," mm-hmm. and that's when we take advantage of the resources that we have, whether it's a loved one, friends, mm-hmm. family, um, cohorts. Those are the individuals that are there for us. We've we've been there for them. Mm-hmm. It's time to call in some favors, you know, circle the wagons, get enough people around to support you so you, so you know that you're not going through these stressful events alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned support. Uh, so I'll go back to the family. Mm-hmm. And I think we all interpret and manage stress maybe a little differently. I'm sure there's some things that are similar. So when we're talking about the family unit, mom, dad, and the kiddos, um, People could be experiencing stress at different times. Mm -hmm. And maybe as a parent, I would recognize stress in my spouse, but maybe I don't recognize it in the children. So how, especially as parents, I mean, things um, to some degree for kiddos are a lot better than they were in the past, but to some degree there's new and more pressures than maybe were in the past. So how could we, yeah, how could we recognize that? Um, briefly and mm-hmm. and because you know we're we're not really looking for that stress in adults we're looking right. for it in children whatever their age might be children uh demonstrate stress far different than adults mm-hmm. uh, as adults i think we all can to, to some degree i understand what it looks like but in children you're going to see more anger management issues you're going to see more um, irritability mm-hmm. more isolation mm-hmm. uh Typically, you'll see a, a change in their their friends, mm-hmm. who they hang with. Their, you might see some relationship issues. Uh, I, I think this whole topic of social media, it's it's gotten really um, out of control mm-hmm. with with the amount of time that children spend on on social media, and and the opportunities for stress are increasing exponentially. Mm-hmm. You think about when we were children. We didn't have immediate access to everyone. Right. And now you can contact folks through their cell phone. Mm-hmm. You can text them immediately. You'll know whether they get it because there's a read receipt. You can go on Facebook or whatever these kids are using. That's 
Facebook is kind of an old folks <laughs> uh, social media now. It's Instagram, Snapchat, some of these others. Right. But there, there's the higher degree of bullying that occurs, social bullying, shaming, uh, with with the the pictures, the sexting, all that stuff. There's so many mm-hmm. ways that kids can get themselves in trouble on social media, and so and, and to a large degree that that increases stress, mm-hmm. um, self-esteem issues, and 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 there's a higher degree of suicide in, mm-hmm. in kids that, that are being cyberbullied. So, and that, that's a whole other avenue altogether that mm-hmm. needs to be looked at. But parents, we can, we can look for those signs in children, irritability, mm-hmm. social isolation, relying more on, on electronic means of communication versus the face-to-face contact, hanging out with friends, going to ball games, doing, doing the stuff that, that typically is, is, is a little more healthy. Okay. Well, yeah, you mentioned when we were younger, um, we had downtime. Mm-hmm. And our world was a, maybe a little smaller back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had contact with people in the neighborhoods and, you know, a little bit beyond that. But, I mean, you can literally have contact with people throughout the city, throughout the state, uh, throughout the right. country, throughout the world. And there's immediate access to, immediate in some cases, good and bad. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I remember the, the 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 stereotype of people sitting by the telephone waiting for that that girl or boy to to call them, and now it's <laughs> it's it's just immediate. You right. Know, if the person hasn't texted, responded to their text in a matter of seconds, you know, it's the the world's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. It's just tremendous. It's it's an incredible uh, swing. Well, I'm getting stressed out just thinking about social media. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. In some regards, I'm, I'm glad I'm not growing up with, with know, that the, influence. One of the greatest yeah. things a person can do for themselves is to give them a break once in a while mm-hmm. to, from social media. I, I use Facebook, I think, as a, as a business outreach and maybe to connect with some of my family back in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I find that, that a lot of the, the interactions people have on social media, they're, they're very provocative and, mm-hmm. and they can become very hostile, right. which which it, it creates a, a hostile wor- worldview, mm-hmm. which adds to our anxiety and depression and stress. So we just rec- need to recognize that the children, whatever their age are, mm-hmm. if they're eight or, or 18, um, maybe they process stress a little differently. Mm-hmm. And those key factors that you mentioned, we, we need to be on the lookout. Oh, they sure do. Yeah. Irritability, isolation. Uh, those are the big ones, the big yeah. signs of stress yeah. and eating habits. Yeah. So I wanted to ask more about isolation. So isolation is maybe withdrawing from contact mm-hmm. from the family, or it could just be, hey, I'm going in the bedroom and shutting the door. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Which is typical for adolescents. Yeah. Right? So there's there's a degree of, of, of there's a judgment mm-hmm. the app one has to make. You know, what what's excessive and what is age appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's typical for adolescents to want to be more isolative and have more alone time, uh, rely on their friends and their social connections more so than the family unit. Mm-hmm. That's that's age appropriate. But when kids start backing away and they rely solely, or if there's a dramatic change, that those are some some indications that something's going on. Okay. So since we're talking about the kids, um, one of the stressors can be what happens after high school. Mm. And whether it's, hey, I'm going into the workforce, yep. I'm going into some type of continue, uh, further education, I'm going in the military, um, how can we get ahead of that, um, that maybe they're not so stressed out with, and I, I'm just looking at examples mm-hmm. that I've seen where they kind of think, hey, at 18, I need to make all my life decisions right. now, um, and that's really not the case. You know, uh, just this week I read an article stating that the millennials are the highest stressed and anxious generation mm-hmm. that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And and that says something, considering that we've had things like the Depression, Cold War, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that that are, you know, that significantly jeopardize our safety. Mm-hmm. And, and and these folks are going out of the workforce. I think there's, there's some contributing factors, some are that the schools place a greater focus on career mm-hmm. earlier in, in their academic careers, such mm-hmm. as middle school, um, getting them on a path to success for, you know, so-called success, getting preparing them for college. I think there's a, a big push. There's an assumption that every child needs to go to college, and that just 
mm-hmm. plain isn't isn't the truth. Sure. So um, yeah, there's a great deal of stress. That's that's a large transitional period. I, mm-hmm. I tell families all the time that, you know, the two points where kids will experience tremendous stress is mm-hmm. puberty and graduation. Mm-hmm. What's right around the corner? It's it's <laughs> yep. it's stressful. Yep. It can be very stressful. And and you're right, getting out into a career. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes our people come out of school right now, they're the highest education educated generation that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And the jobs just are not given to them. They're, they're going to be. Ha- they're going to have to work for them. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a lot going on. Um, are there? And we kind of talked about this earlier. Are there certain occupations? I mean, you talked about law enforcement, and I would include, mm-hmm. you know, w- what we would call first responders. But are there certain occupations? I mean, those kind of come to mind when we mm-hmm. think of, hey, those could be high stress environments. Are, are there some that you see that maybe you don't think of high stress environments, but you, you see maybe with your contacts and your clients of yeah. like, this is really a stressful environment and people may not know it, but it's a pressure cooker maybe right. in that workplace. I think and, you're right. Yeah. We, okay. we think of the first responders as being high stress. Mm-hmm. We think of physicians and people in the medical field. We think of teachers, a high stress jobs. But something that is is interesting to me are the the number of engineers that I see that come in mm-hmm. under a, a tremendous amount of stress and pressure. Oftentimes they're very um, analytical. Mm-hmm. They're very they're very articulate, educated, intelligent mm-hmm. individuals, and and those those folks are are prone to I think overthinking things, mm-hmm. and and they they struggle with giving up some of that control and backing off and and self-regulating themselves, met, do using meditation, mm-hmm. uh, taking a step back, understanding that you can't fix everything, you can't have an answer for everything. Right. So I just find it fascinating that some, some of the most intelligent folks in our society, the, the engineers, mm-hmm. um, may be some of the most anxious people I work with mm-hmm. and, and the most stressed individuals. Well, now that you mentioned that, I, I could see that because... What they're working on, mm-hmm. I guess, could be stressful. I mean, yep. they're, they're usually people who like problems and like to solve them. Yep. Um, and I guess sometimes that's a good thing. But sometimes, as you said, you, you know, maybe you can't solve everything or mm-hmm. maybe it takes a little while. And, you know, there's just some things you, we always right. got to work with. So, stress yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. Engineers are under time constraints mm-hmm. and demands, financial demands by the companies right uh, so it's, it's it's an interesting field well that's not one i would have thought of but it makes perfect sense now um but here's an occupation parents so mm. that's never ending right. so whether we have young ones whether we have teenagers or adults so that's stressful i work with a lot of kids and yeah. behind behind the every kid is mm-hmm. our parents right and so with with the, the high degree of Children, I, I see, I, I, I work with the families as well and, mm-hmm. and try to help mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the parents manage their, their stress. Just just this morning, I I, I, um, I, I was dealing with a, with a child that's under a tremendous amount of anxiety mm-hmm. and stress, mm-hmm. and, and I turned to the mom and I said, well, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. she looked at me and she turned white and just, she wasn't expecting to be put on the hot seat. Turns out she's not managing her stress very well mm-hmm. either. Well, no one... Probably asked her that question before. Right. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't expecting it to be about her. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, that brings up something that just popped into my head. So, um, over the years, I'm sure there's been different ways that are common that people handle stress, mm-hmm. and some of them are probably okay and work, and some of them are probably not. Ha- have you seen the introduction of maybe a solution for managing stress that we didn't? Uh, know of or focus in the mm-hmm. past that's positive now, um, and I know I just kind of threw that out of left field. Yeah, but, yeah. I, you know, again, I think I think meditation has yeah. has grown in popularity. Yoga is mm-hmm. incredible. Yoga has used to have this this stigma to it, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of men enjoy yoga. I do. Right. I enjoy yoga. I don't have as much time now, but mm-hmm. when I was having some some issues with my business, mm-hmm. I, I was doing yoga. I was going to yoga every other day. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. So um, I'm part of that generation that, yeah, it meant a certain thing mm-hmm. and some of it was correct and some of it wasn't. And I think the problem for us, especially the guys, is the word, okay, yoga, mm-hmm. okay. We're not supposed to be there. 
Well, you can call it whatever you want, right. and, and some people do, and there's different terms for it. And the interesting thing is that, okay, once you get over that, which mm-hmm. it's a hang-up for yourself because I had it, um, hey, once you get on the mat or the floor or outside and mm-hmm. you're like, at the end of it, you're like, hey, this is really helpful. Right. I feel good mentally That's and physically. Great. And then the other thing is there's this preconceived notion of, Okay, and I'll use me as an example. Okay, that's not a man's exercise or a man's workout. Okay, you can make it as easy or difficult as you choose. And, um, you know, it's amazing how much you can be sweating and huffing and puffing, if that's what you want, Mm -hmm. within, you know, a square or a circle. And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, So, yeah, I I would agree that um, there's benefits there, whatever you want to call it or Mm -hmm. whatever routine. but that 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 is positive. So um, I think our 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 society is is changing a little bit. Yeah, and, and things you know, like getting a manicure, pedicure. It's yep. not it's not so uncommon to see men mm-hmm. in these nail shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga. It's not just for women. It, yeah. it's not just for housewives. It, I think folks can go. When I used to go on my lunch break, mm-hmm. I would see a number of men that would, mm-hmm. that were doing the exact same thing. Well, and this is not really the same, but, you know, going back um, a number of years, football players, okay? Mm-hmm. I think Lynn Swan uh, for the Steelers yep. used to bring the guys to ballet. Herschel Walker did ballet. Okay, I didn't know that. And it was like, you know, I'm sure there was laughs and jokes until they got there, yep. and it was like, okay, this is kind of hard. I got to get my act together so right. I can finish this session, and if I'm being honest, hey, it was helpful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's a good example, yoga. Um I would completely agree, whatever we're calling it. Um, what, um, for the people listening, I mean, is there such a thing as a typical client for you, or is it just people who are looking for some solutions regardless of age, occupation, or background? I think people start reaching out, looking for what's available, mm-hmm. and, and they find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I deal with each person on an individual basis and try to create a treatment plan for them based on what's accessible, what's mm-hmm. realistic for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I give them op- an opportunity to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people just deal, I think, with, with life's ups and downs mm-hmm. and it becomes to, to the clinical level. Mm-hmm. And so there's this um, subtle, gradual uh, creation of, of the stress. And, and, mm-hmm. then, and then they're shocked by wondering sometimes if life wouldn't be better without them, which borders on suicidal thinking, and, mm-hmm. and then that's a, that's a crisis. And so I, I think folks start reaching out for help, mm-hmm. and then once they open up, they, they may hopefully realize that, you know, there's, they don't have to live like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and some, sometimes, a lot of times people realize that their, their life has, has gotten a little away from them, and things have gotten worse than they, they anticipated. Since you mentioned reaching out for help, I would imagine that once people um, seek help, they're glad they did, but it's that first step or that first conversation that keeps people from doing it. So how could people address that to where they reach out to people such as yourself Mm -hmm. or have that first conversation, and then once they're there, they're glad they're there, but it's, it's just that... An initial step. Well, I tell people beware the crooked cure, and, and that what I mean by that is making the call mm-hmm. does not treat you. Okay. Making the appointment. Oftentimes, people think when they mm-hmm. call a, a therapist to make an appointment mm-hmm. that suddenly you know they they do feel better. They're making some progress, mm-hmm. and but they haven't done anything yet. So okay. all they've done is made an appointment, and so I encourage people. I I. I I encourage folks to make that first appointment. I, I send reminders. I reach out to people, um, mm-hmm. try to get them into my office, and then I try to make it as comfortable of an experience as possible. Mm-hmm. I do ask them what their past experience has been with with counselors, mm-hmm. with therapists. Do they take any medication? What, you know, what what's their experience? Because I want to know what they what they're anticipating, right. what their expectations are, and and, and sometimes I have to. Um, clarify some of the goals, mm-hmm. some, some of the expectations, some mm-hmm. of the, the benefits, um, limitations of counseling. I mean, right. I can't fix everyone. Right. And so sometimes I do need to refer folks to a hospital if mm-hmm. they're in a critical situation mm-hmm. or make a recommendation that they talk to their doctor about possibly starting an antidepressant. 
I am not shy to, to make recommendations and referrals if necessary. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I think a lot of times um, in different professions, mm-hmm. people say, well, aren't they all the same? Okay, so I hear it uh, with financial advisors. Mm-hmm. Aren't all financial advisors the same? And the example I like to use is, or are all pilots the same? Okay, would you fly with everyone who has a pilot's license? Of course not. That's the most ridiculous mm-hmm. thing. So maybe if someone had an experience before that didn't resolve the issue, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they should stop. They should just find the right person for them right. and, and then continue. And, um, but, yeah, sometimes people say, well, you know, they all had the same education and, or to some degree. And, you know, it, it, it's just like uh, I'll use the example of mechanics, okay? Mm-hmm. So most people today with cars being as complicated as they are, they have some help. And um, not all mechanics are the same. You know, they've done yeah. research to show that the relationship is the therapy. Mm-hmm. They've asked people that have made great strides in therapy, and what was the the greatest um, the benefit to what, what was the greatest uh, solution? And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the great these techniques or mm-hmm. the interventions or the homework. It was the relationship, the the honesty, mm-hmm. the uh, the deep connection that that comes with a therapeutic with a healthy therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what fosters a lot of growth in individuals. So there are some ethical situations, you know, that come up because it can be very, people can make themselves very vulnerable in in counseling. And Mm -hmm. if they're not used to it, Mm -hmm. it might feel a little strange. So uh, for me, I I need to make sure that that there are strict boundaries and and things are are handled ethically. But I I think that the relationship is the therapy. And Mm -hmm. when people come to my office, I want to make a, a deep connection with them. I want to give them every opportunity to to find solutions that work for them mm-hmm. versus just give them a bunch of tools and, and cliche responses. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, our primary care physician for our children, um, every time we go in there, we feel like we're his only patient. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing else going on at that moment other than the reason we're there. And it's the relationship. So, mm-hmm. yes, there's a level of expertise there, but we're really there for the level of care right. and caring. Yeah. Okay. And I would drive farther to see someone like that. Mm-hmm. I may even pay out of pocket versus use insurance for someone like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that it's a it's a it's an interesting dilemma these days. A lot mm-hmm. of therapists don't take insurance. I do take insurance. Okay. I I it was just a business decision on my part to mm-hmm. stick with the panels that I'm on, and um, and part part of that is due to the fact that when I reached out. For a therapist myself, mm-hmm. I was surprised at how few therapists take insurance anymore. Right. Okay, so, well that's news to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it, it's there's there's a trend I think in 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 the psychological community mm-hmm. for for folks to to venture away from insurance just because of the the restraints that are placed on them, sometimes mm-hmm. unrealistic, and it's it's you know it's a business decision that they make. Mm-hmm. So, red tape. It sounds yep, like red yeah. tape paperwork. Okay. Uh, unrealistic expectations of, of short sessions. Okay. Well, so I was going to ask, um, yes. So maybe there's no shortcuts and, Mm -hmm. um, there's maybe not a timeline. Um, I think there's probably a timeline to start seeing improvement or get better, but I would imagine in some cases that it's just ongoing Mm self-help. Okay. It's insight oriented, uh, trying to figure out what's going on and mm-hmm. then giving it back to the client to to do something about it, mm-hmm. and and I uh, I'm not trying to skirt the question by talking about not talking about the frequency, but every mm-hmm. client is different. Mm-hmm. Some people come in and they and they have a clear indication of what they need, and they can get it done in in a, in a few sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, people really appreciate the longstanding mm-hmm. relationship that they develop. And, and they want to keep it going as long as possible. So I have to be sensitive to the, to the individual, what they want, what they need, uh, and, and try to um, accommodate that. Okay. And not foster dependence. I don't believe that that's also an ethical dilemma. To, you know, to, I, don't, I want people to be um, empowered to make their own choices, mm-hmm. to be healthy on their own. Mm-hmm. When they leave my office, that's when the actual therapy begins. Mm-hmm by them putting into practice some of the things that we've talked about and seeing what works, what doesn't, mm-hmm. and, and, and then coming back. Okay. 
um, so there's work to do on their own, is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay. To yeah. varying degrees, yes. Yeah. Okay. The, um, you, you mentioned I would drive further to see someone. What did you mean by that? Um, well, I, I, I take my daughter to a doctor mm-hmm. that's about a 45-minute drive mm-hmm. um, because I really appreciate the, the relationship that, that we have okay. With, okay. With, with that facility, with that medical practice. Um, it's, it's important to find somebody you trust. Okay. And, and in, a, in a, a city the size of Houston, it's not uncommon to drive mm-hmm. 45 minutes to see someone. Right. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of t- times you'll hear people uh, come up with some notion of, r- regardless of what they're looking for, is that... Um, convenience. Yeah, convenience. And it's like, okay, that person might not be two streets, streets over, and they right. might not even be in your zip code, <laughs> and you need to find the right person. Right. So, okay. Well, and no, that's, that's a big that, problem in rural communities. They, yes. There's, yeah. there's a, a limited number of therapists, and, and, and so telemedicine has really taken off as a result. And I'm, I certainly am not an expert in that field, but mm-hmm. uh, virtual therapy, uh, using Skype, you know, the various Zoom, mm-hmm. um, telemedicine has taken off for these rural communities. Well, that's probably a whole other topic just it in sure itself. Is. Okay. Well, uh, Mike, I think we covered a lot today, and if you'd like, uh, you're always welcome back. We can continue with a topic or a new one. Um, one more time, Mike, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how might they do that? Well, they can always reach me through my website, ericksoncounseling.com, and the, the full name, you can always Google Erickson Counseling and Mediation. Mm-hmm. You uh, can reach me through Facebook, Erickson Counseling and Mediation, or, or just reach me through my email. Okay. And that's listed on the website as well. Well, thank you, Mike. And thank you for listening to Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. This is Kevin Pinkley. And you can join us next month, uh, the last Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Um, and you can check us out online at Lone Star Community Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you. Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing.